0: This is Working File, a podcast about design practice and its relationship to the world. I'm Andy Mangold. And I'm Matt McInerney. On this episode, which was actually the first one we ever recorded, we're joined by Jen Massari and Satchel Drakes to discuss being a designer in the public eye. What is the difference between being a famous dentist and being a famous designer? The world may never know. this is good. We have theme music already, apparently, prepared. (laughs) We were trying to figure that out, but Satchel's got it. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. If you could just send over, if you could just do a few little ditties like that, Satchel. We need some things for interstitials. We probably need an outro. We thought we'd have to hire somebody. We can just do like a Reggie Watts-style make-it-up-as-you-go thing. That wouldn't be terrible at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so this is a conversational show where we talk about design in a way that is not bad and detestable, hopefully. And uh, every week, of course, we have Matt uh, joining us from Philadelphia. Matt, how are things in uh, the city of brotherly love?
1: Uh great it's snowy uh but i I made it back alive. I was away for a week um
0: and all my flights got cancelled,
1: and I wasn't allowed to fly back. so I was stuck in the airport for a weekend but
0: I'm finally home are you are you in that uh like dirty snow phase that happens in yeah. cities where it's beautiful for a day or two and then all of a sudden it's just like the crust of urban life gets I missed everything built into that was that beautiful,
1: snow. and I came back to the crustiness. How's that sound? Oh, I see perfect <laughs> I sat it in the airport while
0: it was beautiful, and then I got back as soon as it was crusty. Beautiful. You really mm-hmm. have your timing down. I you're know. I nailed a, it. You're a boss. Uh, and we also, this week, we have the pleasure of being joined by uh, our esteemed uh, glorious cat mother from Brooklyn. Uh, illustrator and designer and various great person, uh, Jen Sorry. Jen, what's up?
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. Is that me?
0: <laughs> That's you. You said, you said esteemed and glorious leader. Yes. I changed leader to cat mother because you are the cat motheriest cat mother I know.
2: I do appreciate it. It uh, kind of has like an Enya vibe. Cat in my life. I can work with that. Yeah. <laughs> and then cue Satchel doing Enya. That's good.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and as you've heard in the background, doing ditties the whole time, uh, we are of course joined by Satchel, Satchel Drakes. Uh, Satchel is a designer. He's a video producer, makes uh, great content, usually around video games that he posts to his YouTube channel. Uh, Satchel, I got to say, I really like the latest video for uh, That Dragon Cancer as well.
3: Oh, dude, thanks a lot. Really encouraging to hear.
0: It's beautiful. And uh, I noticed that the the ad revenue for the first 60 days or whatever is going to Charity Water, which I think is beautiful. You're a wonderful man. Always a role model to all of us. And uh, how is things in your life? It's
3: great. Just chilling, man.
0: (laughs) Just chilling, composing (laughs) theme music uh, as you you go, impromptu, which is, of course, one of your greatest skills. (laughs) Um, So uh, this week, for the first week of this ever, for the pilot week of this, um, I wanted to talk specifically about kind of the idea of design in the public eye. Uh, it's something that uh, I think we're all kind of consciously aware of. We're all on Twitter here. We all have our various social platforms and whatnot. Um, it's something that I don't think we talk about a lot, that design, being a, a designer in, in lots of different ways, graphic design, you know, working in interfaces or product design, doing illustration, doing lettering, uh, type design even, all these things are industries that have a lot of visibility to them. And that causes this kind of idea that you know, if you're doing this work, you're supposed to be... Out there uh, you know active on social media kind of putting putting the word out about what you're doing Um, and and I'm interested in kind of how that why that is is that just because you know our industry is a visual industry so therefore people like looking at stuff and we start collecting it and this kind of naturally happens
3: well I, I am I am curious to know because I feel like I don't know for whatever reason I have this perception Feel free to discount it if it's not the case at all, that you and Matt, especially having your involvement on this podcast talking about design for as long as you guys have, uh, that you guys have somewhat, or at least at some season of life, had like a finger on the pulse of, I guess, the design scene and the internet people around it. I'm Mm. very aware that it exists. I don't feel a part of it at all, and I never really had a particular interest to pursue the kinds of conversations that were happening there. Um, but, like, I know that it exists. And I am interested in kind of hearing or, or knowing more about um, what that's like. Because I have an idea of what it might look like, you know? There's some, there some designers that I follow on Twitter and stuff, and I always hear opinions thrown out here and there, different jokes that surface and stuff.
0: Well, it, it's funny. There was a time where... I thought it was very important to follow lots of designers on Twitter and follow lots of blogs that were posting design work and to really feel like I was in that community and in the mix with what was going on there. And at some point, that's just completely, I would say probably right around when I graduated, four or five years ago, I really just kind of stopped doing all of that. You know, Google Reader got canceled and, you know, killed. And I no longer had all those blogs I was following. And I started unfollowing more designers on Twitter and following more astronauts and, you know. Other kinds of interesting people that don't do what I do every day for a living, right? And uh, so I feel like I'm I'm actually not in touch with the world as I know it, like the, the world you're kind of describing, right? Where yeah. there's like a designed thing. Um yeah. it, Jen, I know that you know it, some people have the perception. I've at least heard people tell this to me that you're kind of in like you know the the belly of the beast in that part of Brooklyn you're in, right? Like your your studio is probably a studio that. Uh, lots of people across the country wish they could work out of with all those talented, great people. Um, do you feel like? Do you feel like that? Uh, I mean, it's true. Like you know, you have lots of that's sweet. I mean, you have lots of really talented people with lots of Twitter followers and lots of kind of recognizability that are working out of your studio, um, the studio you share. it's Not your, It's not Studio Gemma. Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, it's definitely not.
0: Do you feel like that's part of life in? being a designer in Brooklyn that you have this kind of weird visibility, or do you feel like that's not a thing?
2: No, I think you're definitely right. Um, and I think there's a few aspects of this. So, right. You were talking about perception. There is definitely the factor of this idea that other people might have of communities that are elsewhere, whether it's in New York city, because you're not from New York city, or if it's just somewhere else completely entirely, just because you don't have an idea of what it's like there. Um, so it is kind of cool that like if I go out to a bar or something, there might be groups of people that I follow and was just having a conversation with on Twitter that actually happened last night. So it is, I definitely, uh, fully enjoy that. And I definitely don't take it for granted. When we see each other, it's always very genuine and very wonderful. Um, but then back, going back to the idea of perception, that's what I'm really interested in. Um, cause it's often that'll be like, hey, man, like this guy might have a bunch of followers on Twitter, but I sit next to him and he's just like a dude, just <laughs> like the rest of us, you know? We're um, all
0: just dudes and ladies at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, or, you know, maybe not also. Or whatever. You know, yeah, exactly. That's true. Anywhere on the spectrum. Um, totally fluid. But uh, there's this great quote that I think is fantastic. It's by this um, person named Noreen Morioka, and she says, being a famous designer is like being a famous dentist. <laughs> and that to me is like That's such real. a great Thank you. just yeah. swinging it into perspective <laughs> because ultimately we are a trade industry. Like we can talk about craft day in and day night, but like we are still just kind of uh working on similar things and working towards similar goals.
0: And I, I think you're definitely right. There's a there's a little bit of uh people trying to feel like, oh, I'm a famous designer or whatever, I have this many thousand followers on twitter therefore i'm some big hotshot, which is you know it's i think it's very kind of important to point out that yeah we're just still this very specific hyper sort of specialized industry doing this particular type of work and what i think is interesting is that a famous dentist as far as i know and i could just be really out of the dentist circles uh, i don't (laughs) think famous (laughs) dentists have followers on twitter Is, is that a thing like i guess what i'm talking about is like yes there are You know, uh, talented, skilled dentists, right? That may be sought after. Maybe they uh, are known as a specialist for a certain type of oral surgery, and people come from all over the country to see that one dentist. But that, that dentist probably isn't as visible as the people that are famous in our industry or famous in air quotes in our industry.
2: I don't know. I might actually argue against that because I think that there are people within other specialty industries. Neil deGrasse Tyson, for instance, has like way too many followers than any like scientists of this caliber should technically have because technically, you know, shots fired. If there were a dentist that's as interesting as him. Of course he's going to have that many followers or they're going to have that many followers because they're interesting people. So I think that from our perspective, of course, we're going to look at famous designers differently than a famous dentist but i truly feel that it's very similar and maybe there are famous dentists that have plenty of followers on twitter
1: i mean i don't know if it's about twitter followers but doesn't everybody doesn't everybody get kind of famous in their field or like yeah doesn't every field have their own celebrities even if it, if you're a famous dentist maybe you're talking at conferences and everybody goes to the conference and you're the keynote speaker every time we're like ah i'm so sick of <laughs> steve the dentist every yeah. single dental conference has him as the keynote speaker
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that, and that's another interesting thing is that we as designers are really good at kind of reinventing things and feeling like we've discovered things. Um, and so <laughs> conferences still feel kind of new, right? Conferences still feel exciting. And like, we've kind of invented this coming together almost. But truthfully, my dad has been going to conferences for like tech conferences since before I was born. So mm-hmm. these yeah. these kind of like social gatherings within industries have always existed. We're just kind of doing it in a slightly maybe more fun way <laughs> that I think is accessible to other people who are not within our industry.
1: Well, I, I mean, part of me wonders if, if we have a little leg up in that at least we pretend to be really good at communicating or especially if on the internet where communication is mostly visual uh, or or lettering or something, that another thing we're supposed to be good at. Do we have a leg up on the world on that? Because with uh, just being pretty good at the thing that we do, we can communicate pretty well and get a lot of people to follow us, even if we're just a dude or a lady.
3: One thing that I've sort of seen over time that I've taken in passing note of is there are a lot of people who actively pursue like aesthetic excellence in the things that they do and they're very careful about what they curate and um, they're not everyone's rewarded for that. So, like, I do know a lot of people that might be really, like, really compelling filmmakers or really compelling Mm -hmm. designers, and, you know, I'm looking at the stuff that they're putting out, and it's like, whoa, this is great. They're really waiting for the diamond in the rough, Um, but no one has – no one really has any idea, like – I don't know I, I don't know what it is if it's just no one really has any idea who they are or because they hold off on that kind of stuff they're infrequent or whatever but they clearly know how to communicate with a yeah. lot of people but there isn't a direct correlation between having that clear knowledge and having um I guess what I'll what I'll call like a mimetic character like a, a sort of like I don't want Something to say that viral, has, viral like, is like stickiness. a curse word for me, but like, <laughs> but essentially that, right. That sort of explains best, like what I, what, what I said to me. I don't know if that yeah. kind of speaks to what you're, actually what you're I've, saying, but.
1: I've wondered if that's, if that's kind of a, a, a way of being like, I feel like that actually is oftentimes rewarded online because there becomes the perception that like everything this person does is perfect. Like, I feel like that's what builds the character of somebody you would want to follow. Somebody you want, somebody you'd see it as, as a celebrity is like you see their life is great, you see everything they do is great, and there's just, like, no failures visible. Which I actually think Until is a little bit... Until they beef with the Wiz Khalifa on Twitter. <laughs> then, then the
2: failure is very
1: visible. There, you said it, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, but but I actually feel like that's a little bit of the, pro- of the problem we have uh, in the design community, is that, like, people don't really talk about their failures all that much, so it just seems like everybody you follow on Twitter has a great life and is much better at everything right. than you. It's incredibly uninteresting. I would rather hear... A couple of struggles, so I feel like a like a human yeah an equivalent human being, yeah, <laughs> as opposed to like everything's perfect all the time, and man, every time I get a client, I get to do everything I want, and look at this
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that um to me that's part of it, right, like so even if there is a famous dentist out there that's got a big following and everyone knows this particular dentist, there's something about like you don't go and see that dentist's work right? Maybe at a conference, there'll be a presentation about some particular thing that was done or a new technique or Could something. Could you imagine though,
3: like a Squarespace yeah, portfolio of exactly. teeth? Exactly.
0: it's <laughs> not a portfolio of like, look at these clean teeth. So clean, so white. Uh, and I think that I think that the portfolio thing is a big part of where this... Like leather it, 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 grips on like the cleaning tools and stuff. <laughs> like, all these. Oh, like All sorts of Instagram shots. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's something about that, that visual nature that kind of and it, it lends right into this idea of like everything is perfect, right? Like, I think we all carefully uh, are always taught to very carefully kind of uh, prune our portfolios, show the best work, show only the best work, and make sure you're really highlighting the most important things. And I think most of us will agree that oftentimes a project looks better in our portfolio than it does in the real world because of the context we put it in and, you know, all that kind of stuff. One aspect of it, like, it generally, I should say, I think that the fact that we tend to be outward and public in our industry is something I think is great. Like you get to meet people and know people and follow their thoughts and you get to actually kind of choose to embed yourself in a community and like surround yourself with it. And it's an option available to you. I don't know what you do if you're like real excited about dentistry. I I'm sure there's a journal or something, maybe a forum somewhere, but I don't think it's on the same scale as as what we have available to us. Um, So generally I think it's really good. And the one place where I think it gives me a little bit of pause when I think about you know students or people that are new designers of any age that are kind of trying to come into this community and what it's like when you do have you're projecting this perfection right of mm. of your process your portfolio you have your shots on Instagram of you sketching by a sunset uh, in a log cabin and whatever and it, I think it seems our 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 tendency to kind of put our best foot forward I think sometimes puts the industry in a light. That almost gives people like unattainable expectations for what their work is going to be. Is that a thing? Yeah, I hear
2: you. I would definitely agree with that. I think that's for sure. And I actually feel like we um, have a responsibility to be a little more self-aware, not just for ourselves, but for younger designers and for younger people in general who might be interested in this industry just because I feel like the reality is, I mean, I'm a more practical person, but I do think that the reality is more interesting. It's also just more helpful. Like if a young designer is coming along thinking that they can make a living by just posting sketches on Instagram, they are sorely mistaken. And <laughs> I never want to be someone who like puts forth that image and has, uh, you know, a image that looks successful via Instagram But then I have a full-time job doing something completely different. To me, that's dishonest. And it's also actually dangerous.
0: Yeah, I I think it does take a little bit of thoughtfulness to try and consider how what you're putting out there might be perceived by others. I think that's part of the responsibility that kind of comes along with what I think is unique about our industry and how it relates to the public. Like, I, I don't know if that responsibility is something that really falls on other people. And uh, I do think it's kind of there, though. I don't know how it manifests itself, right? Like, I don't want to tell somebody who has a great hobby of doing lettering or, you know, illustrations on their weekends to not put them online because it'll seem like that's their job and to not get a lot of followers. Yeah,
3: I wouldn't want to police, like, how people share things. Like, especially Mm -hmm. because, like, I don't know, we kind of turn social networks into like highlight reels regardless like as a creator yeah. and then also as someone who's just like taking in the content that's in front of us so like trying i i guess like trying to curate that reaction can be well, it sounds like a daunting task it sounds like a lot of thinking um but like i i definitely like agree um with the thoughts that were put out there like andy what you're what you're describing sounds a lot like you know, the ping pong table and the creative agency, right? Like you get this idea that people are playing ping pong all day. there's like this casual environment, like at least that's what I think about. and like, and I by no means do I feel like a curmudgeon about it. at least I don't think that I am. I don't feel any like, I don't think' c- like, curmudgeon about c- anything yeah I don't, I don't I don't feel any cynical grip on it, um, but I almost kind of wonder, I'd like to believe that the internet, like most other things, um has a series of movements where attitudes shift over time but since we're a part of it all the time we don't really see it and I guess there was a part of me that kind of recently like kind of like wonders and I, I I open this up for anybody to answer like have we sort of progressed into a season where we're no longer over romanticizing things like that. Like I, because I feel like like social media in general has been around to a point where, and I've been taking it in long enough to a point where whenever I see the photo, I can't not see the person taking the photo as well.
0: Taking it forty times and, it and makes getting you, the light
3: it, just yeah. right. And it no seriously. And and not even in a way that's maddening or anything, but like I understand that. Yeah, you're, there you're not is, like an
0: old man yells at cloud. You just know what goes into it, right? Like right. you know that it's a it's a thing.
3: And and with that in mind, you know, in a lot of ways, I wonder if we're sort of at a point where people are like willing to share mistakes more because they're we're we're kind of out of that that movement of like having this like 100 percent on message all the time, media trained perspective. On being personable with people which is actually the opposite of being personable with people, you know,
2: I would definitely agree with you I love the idea of moving through seasons as far as like the way that we interact with each other and I do and for me I feel like I notice when people are gearing towards optimism or gearing towards Maybe not pessimism, but something more like realism or pragmatism and I definitely feel like it's much more personable to be a little more real now instead <laughs> of having that perfect life, and I think that's really cool, of course, I do think that sure you should be self aware about what you post and what other people might read into it, but yeah you're right, a lot of the responsibility falls onto the viewer to then make assumptions on their own
1: when you frame it like that, it makes me think of the different like the different feeds i'm looking at and how how they work based on the medium like Uh, If it's a visual medium, if it's Instagram or something, I'm trying to think of a time I've ever seen like a sad Instagram photo. Like maybe maybe it's like uh, a picture of a fallen leaf or something and you could like apply sadness to it. (laughs) But it's all like, I I had a great meal. I went to a great party. I'm on a great vacation. Uh, Like text-based mediums, Facebook seems to be an okay place to share
0: Mm -hmm. sadness sometimes. So someone can give you all the likes for your sad thing.
1: (laughs) But when it's a visual medium, it's like show everything that's great, which makes me think well, maybe we're just doing that with our portfolios. Like you couldn't, Yeah. why would you Why would you bother preparing if, it, if mm. it we're bad? Like the more effort it takes, the more it should be a great thing or a positive thing.
2: Yeah, I agree. There was, however, something that I saw that just totally blew me away just for how simple it was. And it was this young woman who was facing depression and I really wish I could remember her name. Um, but she started a hashtag called, this is what it looks like. And basically anytime that she was feeling fully depressed, she just took a picture Whether it was things that she was looking at, of herself, something she was doing, and she posted it to Instagram, and you could see in her feed, in her personal feed, her life went from Highlight Reel to this is what it looks like, back to Highlight Reel, back to this is what it looks like, and it seemed like a real, full personality. I just thought that was so impressive.
0: It reminds me of something I saw today as well, I guess specifically... In the, in the design world, I saw someone linked to a thing. It was some fast company or some whatever design website article about... Uh, somebody had asked a bunch of designers uh, what their goals for 2016 were. Uh, and this was a thinly veiled way for a bunch of designers to announce new projects they were working on or point people to the things they've done in the past and talk about their accomplishments. But right in the middle of it, uh, Dylan Lathrop, who is a designer at BuzzFeed, someone i followed on Twitter for a long time, he wrote like you know three or four beautiful thoughtful crushing paragraphs about his depression and how his goal for 2016 is to get better at like living with himself uh and it was such a sort of perfect portrait of kind of the shallowness and the sort of you know this kind of thing we're describing right the the sort of faux perfection of the design world in the middle of these 50 like tips for what people were going to do to be more creative and how they were going to grab the year by the reins You know, Dylan wrote a very, very human thing that was uh, just really amazing. Um, And you know, I've I've even seen some studies that have uh, sort of suggested that it might be the fact that graphic designers or you know, illustrators, people in the creative industries, disproportionately suffer from depression uh, relative to the rest of the population. Like the higher percentage of people that work in this industry might deal with issues like that. Um, And if that's the case, if that's a thing that we don't actually talk about publicly ever, and we're too excited to share our beautiful portfolios and share our beautiful Instagrams we compose with our you know, $60,000 art degrees, uh, I think it's just an interesting relationship we have with the public eye.
1: Yeah. That's, I, for whatever reason, I'm not shocked by that. I have no idea why that makes sense, but for some reason it does. Uh, and I'm also trying to think of like what, what are the actual negative pieces of, of the design community that, that show their face publicly? And everything I think of is like a, like a client's from hell or something where... It's a thing that some is- people
0: think is funny, and it's actually... Sure. Well, airing I out say, dirty laundry whatever but know I mean it, or not. it is
1: it is it is airing our dirty laundry, and it's all but it's also uh I'm calling it negative not because i I don't like it. I have a distaste for it I'm calling it negative because it usually is like negative stories about stuff, but it's never about the it's never the designer who has the problem it's never an internal problem it's always an external problem like someone else is evil and they're trying to ruin my thing right um are there any examples of people actually turning turning in and like talking about the issues that they might have, whether it be in work or personally, besides the one example you gave, it would be. I mean, it <laughs> so may it would be, be that helpful. Vulnerable, yeah. <laughs> just in the same way that it might be helpful to find out that your friends don't only go on vacation and they also have hardship.
0: <laughs> vacation all the time.
2: I do think, like, um, I feel very lucky to work in an office full of twenty other freelancers, and when you see these people every day, you're gonna have those real conversations. Like, we couldn't pretend to be to have perfect lives around each other like we just know that we don't and so i feel super lucky to have just honest conversations about like pricing clients my energy levels things that uh we might not talk about on twitter as much but i do feel like and this is kind of coming back to the season idea that we're starting to talk about real things more in the public eye
0: it's hard for me to tell if it's people actually changing and we're talking about it collectively more or if i've just unfollowed enough people that never you know (laughs) shared anything other than their perfection and their new thing they were working on you you, basically i feel like i have a really good radar for when somebody's managing their twitter as if they were a social media manager as opposed to a human being uh and so i've unfollowed those people and so i can't really tell if it's actually a thing that's happening or if it's just you know confirmation bias uh Mm -hmm. but I, something I wanna kind, of, kind of want to come back to Neil Tyson, actually. Uh, Jen, you brought up Neil Tyson as an example of somebody who, uh, you know, a very accomplished scientist, certainly. Uh, I, I don't think anyone would argue he's like the most accomplished scientist or that his accomplishments in science mirror his relative uh, publicity. But I think a big part of what Neil Tyson is meant to do is his job is outreach, right? His job is mm-hmm. we want to educate people about this. My whole thing is I'm going to talk about these things in a way that is approachable. I'm going to You know, make a television series about these ideas and try and get people invested and interested in it. Um, Is that a thing that has any place in design at all? Or are we just. Off here doing our specialized thing, and we don't need that at all.
2: I think that we do it. I think whether we need it or not is like a hard question to ask. But I think I'm looking at, for instance, Bruno Munari's uh, children's books about design. Uh, I saw a children's book that was like CSS for babies. Oh
1: no!
0: No babies, don't do it. <laughs>
2: Learn functional <laughs>
0: programming, not CSS. Oh, anything with CSS. <laughs>
2: Well, this may have been a few years ago and I obviously don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to programming languages, so forgive me. But uh, I do think that there are certain technical things within the design industry that are attractive to, quote, normal people, unquote. And by that, I mean just on un- people who don't consider themselves to be creative or people who don't mm-hmm. consider themselves to be professional creatives. Uh, there are parts of it, and this is why people like James Victoria, for instance, can have a $6,000 dinner and have people who aren't graphic designers pay him $6,000 to have dinner with him. And then there's something about his work though too that really speaks out to these average normal people who are maybe not creative or maybe who want to be more creative. That when they see it on Instagram, they just get it. And so I think that there's people like him, Debbie Millman's podcast, for instance, I'm sure appeals to people who aren't designers uh, there are bits of it that are kind of leaching out into the world.
0: So, uh, one of the reasons I want to bring that up is, that Jen, you, you think you nailed it. That's exactly what I was thinking. Whether we need it or not, we are all basically doing that more or less all the time. I, I feel like I run into designers often that are just very excited to tell you all about how what they do is very important and great and you should like it, <laughs> uh, which is kind of like, you know, Neil Tyson's designated job. He's the one scientist that's doing that in, you know, astronomy or whatever. Uh, And yet, all of us kind of do that in a small way, whether we realize it or not. Um, Satchel, Satchel, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, here we are on a podcast talking about it. Uh, Satchel, I'm curious to know kind of how you think about the work you do, specifically with the videos you make. And, you know, like, do you see yourself as kind of somebody that is trying to take the beauty and the things that are interesting and compelling to you about video games and bring that to the world in like a ambassadorial way or do you consider yourself a journalist or a author that is your medium it happens to be videos how do you kind of conceive of the work you do and, and your sort of role in that
3: i don't see myself as a journalist i think journalists do a lot more work than i do um And they're tasked with a lot more on average, so it would would feel I would feel like I'd be cheapening it by calling myself that. I think ambassadorial. That's a really good word because
0: I'm not even sure it is a real word, but it's a word I just (laughs) used. So there we go. It's on the books.
3: Hey, language is descriptive, not prescriptive. We'll uh, we'll run with that.
0: What up? It. uh, (laughs) it, I think I
3: think that's a really good word because oftentimes I do feel like I'm kind of uh, evangelizing the potential that the medium has like more uh, frequently than, than anything else. Um, And oftentimes a lot of the feedback that I'll get is like, Hey, we know this already. We know this already. And I think in my head, like when I think about that stuff, like either for a case study or a podcast or whatever, I'm thinking, yeah, I know I'm kind of going back over like breaking down, like what these different parts of like mechanics are for like a game is. Um, But part of it is cause it's really not for like the scenies. It's really not for it's not entirely for it's not entirely for the people who like are obsessed with games, um, but uh, I do enjoy uh, teaching people who may not necessarily may be on the fringe or maybe they played some games a little bit when they were younger, um, or they see interesting titles coming out like Bioshock Infinite and they're like, "Hmm, it seems like there's something to like the facet of interactivity that makes." that makes like these these kind this like small section of games that are like interactive films like engaging or capable of talking about serious issues or like complicated issues you know um and it's really cool like taking that and running with it taking a lot of the amazing things that like books have done that films have done and um finding the analogous movements that are going on in games as well um so in that way i enjoy uh, having compassion for a group of people that might not be interested in it whenever uh, I'm writing something. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm doing a good job at it. I'm not the oracle of taste at it. Um, but I enjoy like keeping those kinds of people in mind. Does that properly answer the question? Did I go all over the place?
0: No, that's perfect. And next okay. time you're on the show, I'm going to introduce you as the perfect oracle of taste. So <laughs> prepare yourself for that. Uh, no, I, mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm most interested in... like. Do you have... It's very clear to me, at least. It seems that someone like Neil Tyson, his goal is more people should be interested and aware of what's happening in this specialized industry I work in. Is is that a thing that runs through your mind regularly? Do you make creative decisions on the idea that your goal is to kind of educate and and spread the word? Or are you kind of just doing this thing because you love it and you want to celebrate it and and be excited about it?
3: I don't think there's a plan. That would be cool (laughs) if I had a plan. That'd be awesome. Um, I think it's more like, oh, hey, look at this... like. This is cool, <laughs> guys. <laughs> guys.
0: <laughs> so, it did did others? Did you three also have that moment? Uh, or maybe you're still in it. I'm, I'm curious to know what your relationship is with kind of attaching your eyeballs and brains to the fire hose of you know blogs and people on Twitter and whatever content producers are making the stuff that you consider to be like industry stuff. Um, Is that something that you all still are really involved in or you never were really involved in? Because I I very clearly had that moment where I thought it was really important to me. I I feel like I was probably in a part of my life where I was developing my taste. I didn't really know what I liked or didn't like. And so I wanted to look at tons of things to kind of start to form the boundaries of my opinions and and sort of values. Uh, And then at some point, I just kind of decided that it was... None of it was deep enough for what I was thinking about, or which sounds really elite and weird. But you know, it, design blogs are, I think, necessarily lots of posts that are pretty short. Usually, just look at these cool images of stuff. And at some point, I just got tired of that and kind of broke from it. Um, do you? Do you all have well, Matt? What, what's your relationship with with this stuff? Did you have a similar story, or did you never really get into it deep, or how's that? No, work no, for I you? was
1: really, really into it deep, like in especially in college and like early, you know, first couple of years of working. Uh, or I felt like I, I have to, I have to absorb everything because this is the thing I want. Actually, you know what the key was when it wasn't my life yet? Like I really felt like I had to dig into it because I really wanted it to become my life. And then when I, then when I was doing it constantly, when it was my job, when it was like every part of my day, uh, I got really comfortable with detaching. Cause like, I didn't have to prove anything to anybody. I was just doing it. Isn't there? You isn't had, there that, you kind had of the of that business line? card? There is. <laughs> <Yeah>. there is. <laughs> but isn't That's there real. that line? Be, be like, you really want to do something, so you would put all your power into like making it happen, and then and then there's just a day where you're just doing it. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. who am I? Who am I uh, proving anything to? I'm just doing the thing I wanted to do, and I, I don't even know if it's like I'm doing the thing I want to do, and it's great. It's just it just is now, uh, and the way I was acting before was because I wasn't a part of it. Um, and then it felt more comfortable. Like I don't have to follow ten million blogs and look at every single piece of packaging that was ever designed, um, and dribble all I, the
0: things all the time. I can just
1: <laughs> continue making the things that I I wanted to make, and that was the whole point anyway. I don't know why. If, you know, it seemed almost like you lost your way for a while, and now now you're back to why you started
0: doing it. I, I do often wonder where I found the time to. Like I remember waking up every morning on a weekday morning, and my Google Reader would be like 180 things, and I'd be like, "All right, time to." See them all and hit that. That's J amazing. Jjjjj. You look at all the things. Um, Sweet. I also remember feeling this profound pressure to be part of that, like do the same thing, have a website, submit stuff to blogs, try and get on there. Like that was somehow, you know, I, I definitely there was definitely a huge part of my life where that to me was a way better validation that I was progressing as a graphic designer than getting good grades in my courses or then even then doing work that I felt to myself was valuable work. It was like, if I can give this external validation, that means I'm doing it right and I'm progressing and moving forward. Was um, it because
1: you needed someone to tell you you were indeed
0: a graphic designer? You weren't so know. sure yet? I do you know. I don't know what it was, but there was something there. I, really, it just, because there's so much, you know, when you do follow 70 blogs and you see hundreds of things every day... You start to feel like everybody out there is making great work and getting it put on blogs. And so why aren't you? And if you're not, you must be broken in some way. Um,
1: Someone tell me I'm real. Will somebody just tell me I'm a real person?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it was... was, Maybe it was that pathetic. And I just really needed that kind of uh, validation from something external to myself. But uh, I don't know what it was. But I think that pressure is real. Uh, and I think it's probably morphed now because I get the sense... That design blogs like that are not the same. I mean, this was me and also most of my peers in the design program, right? Like, it wasn't like I was a weird one. Like, everybody felt a pressure to read all the Google Reader things and follow all the blogs. And I, I feel like that's kind of changed a little bit or at least fallen off from the small exposure I do have to students these days. But I, I feel like that pressure is still something that's there. It's like you need to be... Like, I guess what I'm getting at is it feels like there was a need to be a public character. Like... Yeah, yeah. If my work was not online, am I even a designer? Honestly, I feel that a little bit right now. I haven't had a portfolio for myself online in four years. And sometimes I get the sense that, (laughs) like, am I a designer as far as the world is concerned? If I just never tweet about design and I never post any design work online, or am I just a weird person? Which, of course, I'm just a weird person. That's confirmed. uh, Or a man who designs. Yes. Which is a
3: pretty accurate like. But is there also
1: the sense that... uh, for me, at least, there was there's some sort of idea that maybe I was gonna find the truth or like maybe I was gonna find the right way to do everything, and then it, it became very clear that there's that doesn't exist, so right might as right. well do the thing you wanted to do anyway,
0: yeah um, and stop looking,
1: yeah, I mean not that not that you stopped trying oh, you've
0: stagnated, man, you've changed what happened you don't, to you?
1: you don't you never <laughs> stop trying, it's just you're a little bit more free to do what you wanna do as opposed to be like there's there's some rule out there that if I discover it, I'm going to be better at everything and I'm going to be doing it the right way.
0: And, and I'm curious to know from you specifically, Jen, because th- there's a practical reason why our industry is a visible one because lots of us are freelancers, right? There's there's a real benefit to having those Twitter followers, Instagram followers, whatever it is, because that can sometimes turn into work uh, or at least ver- validation from a client. You, know, you can point to these things and kind of demonstrate that you are a real professional that does this thing for real. Um, it, Jen, as a freelancer, what is your relationship with this kind of stuff? Do you like try and get your work on blogs? Do you think that leads to work? Do you think that having an Instagram account with lots of followers that are excited to see your lettering is something that helps you professionally? Or is that a, non, a non-issue?
2: a non Yeah, I mean, that is such a valid observation. Like, it's just part of the game now as a freelancer. That's better self-promotion than any postcard could could ever be so in the illustration department when i was going to school the mindset was like send out 500 postcards maybe get five jobs and now it's like if you post 500 instagrams you're probably gonna get like a 100 jobs so (laughs) it's almost a little bit easier to be like a fully rounded human being now (laughs) on the internet because there are multiple outlets for someone like me who's looking for work, looking for friends, um, to kind of put myself out there and, and find contact points there. I honestly like haven't done any self-promotion in years. And I think maybe part of it is like me being naive and being like, Oh, I don't, you know, need to get all networky about all this stuff. But I think part of it is also just that I'm the type of person who's never had a problem with expressing myself on the internet. And now finally the rest of the world is kind (laughs) of like caught up. Right. So (laughs) I'm not like alone on instant messenger anymore. The whole world is like with me up on Twitter. Um, so I, I think that there's two factors here that listening to you all speak about this is that sure. One, there's self-confidence and, um, Matt, you were talking about this idea of like, wanting this to be your life and so you just take it all in and i think we've all been there i hope we've all been there because that's passion right yeah but then there's self-confidence which comes along with experience and you know there's that ira glass idea of like being patient because your taste is always going to be better than your talent for like the first few years. All right, of, the gap. Or forever. It's forever, part. right? Yeah. Is this supposed <laughs> to catch up? Because <laughs> mine forever. hasn't caught up. Um, you know, but at some point, hopefully you catch up and that's where the self-confidence comes. And you're like, I don't need to take in all of this media anymore to like give myself something to strive for because I'm confident in my profession and my talent. But then also yeah. I do feel like <laughs> there's an observation of the industry as a whole and a lot of this might come from the blogs just kind of disappearing after Google Reader kind of, you know, screwed everyone run over. <laughs> and then there was actually like a massive shift in blogging, not just for designers, but for all bloggers. And um, Grace Bonnie talks about this really eloquently, but advertising. So she was able to make a living off of advertising and then the advertisers changed their business model to be more about um, promoted posts. And so bloggers like her, who are really careful about the content that she creates, suddenly can't make a living. So a lot of blogs disappeared at that point. Luckily, she's still making fantastic content. Some great blogs have made it through. But, you know, there's just less content like what we were consuming when we were all less confident designers, I think.
0: So and I think you touched on some really good points there, uh, Jen. And... It's worth noting, like you do post a lot of your work on Instagram, like a lot of beautiful, you know, your lettering work, your, you paint on a motorcycle helmet or a leather jacket. Jen's work is great. You struggle to look at it. But also in the middle of that, there's pictures of Winston's very dumb face and he's just <laughs> chilling. Uh, like it's it's exactly. not like that is strictly a, you know, advertising mechanism for your work. It's like you said, it's a reflection of you and what you're doing. And sometimes that's your design work. And sometimes that's a cat. And sometimes it's something else. Yeah. So, oh, gosh.
2: Yes. And I actually feel like... There are people, especially within my industry of hand lettering, which is a small industry within graphic design and art as a whole, who are very, very tactful about the things that they post and the way that they post and how often they post. And to be honest to me, sure, it pays off because they have a ton of followers and seem to be happy with that. But for me, I feel like that is not quite giving the people who follow me the respect that they deserve, the intelligence to see through that kind of tactfulness that just is so desperate for followers. And for me, it's like, if you don't want to see pictures of my cat, then like, hey, why are we doing this? Pack (laughs) your bags and move away. (laughs) Yeah, man. Right. right. So, so, So
0: Jen, here's what I want to know from you. So it sounds like it has been a very important part of your business and sort of your freelance business, right? Like establishing your, you know, place in the industry, which is kind of what this whole episode is about, right? This idea that you need to have some kind of public thing. No longer is it postcards. Now you have some kind of outward presentation of you and your work. And it seems like it's really important in freelancing. And I think it kind of bleeds out into people that are not freelancing either that still feel this kind of pressure to do that. So I guess my question for you is, what would your advice be to like a student, somebody that... You know, their work is is something they know is not. Again, like you said, their taste is well beyond their work. Uh, but they also know that if they're ever going to work in this industry and be a freelancer or be the kind of designer that you are, for example, this is going to be something that's important to them. At what point do you start doing all of this posting of your work? Is it something that you should be doing constantly as you're learning? Is it something you kind of get to a point you're like, all right, now it's good enough. I'm going to start putting it up there. Like, how do you? How would you advise somebody in that position?
2: Sure. I mean, I definitely, first off, I would love to hear from younger people in general, whether they're designers or not, because the more younger people I meet, the more fascinated I become with social media, whether they have latched onto it or completely decided not to. Um, But regardless, I feel like for me, um the social media thing, the posting online thing, like I said earlier, it's something that comes naturally to me. I've, ever since i was 13 i started putting my really bad art on the internet and it's still there <laughs> what up DeviantArt? art oh my god it's, oh it's bad. god it is still there. <laughs> like, if you wanted to find it you could and that's just because i was so desperately craved the sense of community that i have now as a kid and you know a lot of kids growing up in suburbia are like that but the thing that i really want to stress is that that's just me and if this doesn't come naturally to someone, then they shouldn't do it. If they feel uncomfortable putting things on the internet, then they definitely shouldn't do it. There are other ways around it. And I feel like I would never tell a young student that they have to be on Instagram. But if there's someone who would enjoy and get something out of it, then they definitely should. Because it is truly a very valuable source of self-promotion there are so many art directors on Instagram who have hired me the next day because I posted something the day before.
0: Wow. So, real talk. Do you think that a student that is maybe just not inclined to do that naturally, do you think that their career would be suffering? You know, I I, I appreciate your, your kind of understanding that, you know, this is not for everybody necessarily. Like, you're excited to do that. You're excited to share yourself with the world. Uh, if somebody is not excited about that and you're saying, you know, don't do it if you're not willing to... Does that make it harder to be a professional illustrator, designer, hand letterer, whatever it is? Yes.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's just no getting around it. I mean, and I'm someone who came from fine art, really. And that's fine art is what I studied. And fine art was the world that I was fully immersed in. You switched
0: majors, what, like five times in school?
2: (laughs) No, actually. So, I had a weird situation where... um, I was fully prepared to go out into the world as a fine artist, and then I switched my major second semester of senior year to yeah, illustration. Yeah, like two weeks
0: before graduating, you're like, no, nah, I want something different on that piece of paper. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, basically what happened for me is I had um, two theses. So there were two like clear paths that I could have taken. I had a body of fine artwork, and I had a body of hand-lettered, screen-printed posters, and I guess you can imagine which one I took <laughs> and I'm glad I did. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, the tool of, of social media, of posting your work online is just too valuable that if you do want to have the, um, the success of the illustrators that you're seeing online or of the designers that you're seeing online, you're just going to have to do it. Like That's just part of the game now.
0: Maybe that's what this all comes down to. Maybe these tools that we've built to interact as human beings, right? Like uh, Twitter and Instagram, don't really exist primarily as a method of advertising. I mean, I guess when you really get down to it, primarily they do because that's they both make all their money. But uh, you know, the idea for the average user is not that this is going to be some kind of like publishing platform. It's that you're going to share your life with people. Um, maybe these tools, because they've become so embedded in our daily lives, have basically advantaged people that happen to be very good at them uh, and very sort of natural sharers of things to be more inclined to or or more advantaged to move into industries like the visual arts um, maybe that's where this all kind of comes down to just that simple uh, transactional thing of like people will see your work they will hire you you will be better at this and then that sort of cycle kind of propagates itself that's that's it's it's interesting because it's way different than sending out postcards, right? Like you don't need to be a do people
3: do people legit do that? Oh like, yeah, still yes. Now there's anything wrong with it.
2: <laughs> that's what I'm saying is that in the illustration department, in, in the illustration industry, and still today, that is the bottom. That's the default is sending postcards, is sending mailers, is doing it the like long, hard, stupid way, just because it's like. Not effective. <laughs> the art director stands over their trash can with a pile of postcards and, like, just one by one goes through them, toss them in, and maybe we'll keep like three.
3: See, that's what should go on Instagram.
2: Right. A <laughs> <laughs>
0: trash can full of postcards. Oh, that'd be such a good account.
2: I feel like if an art director can see. An illustrator as a full rounded human person, it's going to be easier for them to give the illustrator jobs that are right for them and to work together. And so I feel like the opportunity of sharing your personality online is just so great that if it's something you're comfortable doing, there's just too many benefits to not be active.
0: Yeah, I guess the thing I'm really curious about and interested in is just how that changes what we perceive to be a successful designer illustrator, right? Like prior to this, you could be successful if you just were very quiet and introverted and you sent your postcards out and you got hired by the New York Times, you got hired by the Washington Post, you do your illustrations, uh, and that was your thing. And now it seems like it's harder to be that quiet, introverted, more private person and still you know succeed in the same way. And I guess well, that's you what
1: could I, you could still go work for a company. <laughs> you you yeah. could just hang no, up no, your dreams no, no. and, no, no, and no, go but, do something so, totally different. No, 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 you could work for a branding agency an ad agency. Like there's there's another way to do it. I think we're talking specifically yeah. about if you want to freelance or maybe start your own company or something like well, that. Well, for some yeah. people yeah. Is that is their go. goal,
0: right? Like their goal is they don't there's want to work for a company. They're goal. They're, they,
1: that's a that's a cool goal too. I don't I don't think there's one's better than the other one. But I think if someone's got one this is a specific thing.
0: Yeah. But
3: when could you freelance in a vacuum? And not exactly. put yourself out there. That's like actually before kind of what I'm Like, you always had to do that. Well,
0: that's what no, the postcards it's true. were. It's true. I just wonder if the, the nature of the putting yourself out there has changed and the audiences have scaled up, right? Because before, if you were a I student. I think it's
1: that. You, I think there's more eyeballs. I'd say it's
3: easier because you get to do it from your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like, you just get to be you inside. Yeah. And then other people get to look into you. You're, like, kind of, like, this thing to be seen and taken in. And you get to do that. In your pajamas and it's all good. So I'd say for the introverts, the yeah. introverts take me win. in in my pajamas. I mean, the introverts win with the internet.
1: Yeah, the I don't think I don't think uh, you have to be an extrovert to be a public figure on the internet. I think that's actually very
0: very proven. Well, maybe that- it's the wrong word, but there's a different thing, right? Like I do think some people are just not inclined to share their lives on the internet, and maybe that's different than being introverted or extroverted. But yes,
3: it is
2: different.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, it is different. But it's, there's something there. Maybe we need a new word for that, right? Like internet-traverted or whatever.
2: <laughs> a hermit. Uh,
3: I say locally geared.
2: <laughs> just local. <laughs> local
0: to my bed. Matt, you're the one that didn't really say anything at the end. Do you want to close that with something? I mean, Satchel got something in. Jen got something in.
1: Oh, actually, I, I stick with my point that I think... I was just wanted to make the counter argument that it does, I don't think that is the only way to go in life. If you're a designer, you have to be the lone wolf who makes it on his own. Well, and- no, my point
0: is that some people, their goal going through all of art school, going through all of however they trained is yeah. they want to be an editorial illustrator and they want to freelance and work for all the big publications. I and mean, they love, want to be, you know, I
2: love how Andy, you're like, Hey Matt, do you have anything to say? Hey, wait, hang on. No, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm used to talking over Matt where we, we've done We're this for a long time. <laughs> well, if that's the case,
1: Andy, I think Jen is right. I think then, yeah, tough luck. You got to yeah. deal with it. You got to put yourself out there. All
0: right, I'll be quiet and you can say your thing.
1: <laughs> um, no, no, I don't think I need a closing statement. I think that's, that's pretty good. Like. I mean, if there's anyone, it's just, it's not super shocking to me that people whose job it is to make visuals like are suddenly thriving in a visual medium and like finding ways to make it work for them. I think there are parts of it that can be a little bit dangerous, a little bit scary when everybody just thinks the life you're supposed to lead is a, is a perfect one and there's never any problems and all your work comes out great and all your clients are perfect. But I, I do agree that I think we're shifting into being just like you're just living the same life on the internet that you're living in real life because it's, there's not a whole lot of separation anymore. And so maybe it just won't be a problem as much because everybody will just feel more free online because they were raised that way. There's just no other way to be. You don't have an option. You can follow us on Twitter, at Working File,
0: We've got a website with bios of all of our contributors at workingfile.co. And if you haven't subscribed,
1: you can subscribe on iTunes with an RSS feed. And if you like the show, review us on iTunes, give us a good review.
0: Gotta give us those five stars. That's what we that's what we feed on.
1: Not interested in one star.
3: Oh my God! Your cat—is that your cat? That's yes, fluffy like that. Yes,
2: not he cute?
3: Oh my God! <laughs> I can't even best. with that. His oh, eyes are so, so
2: blue. Cute. And guess what? <laughs> he loves when I kiss him right on his lips. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's like
1: Me a
2: dude,
3: it's like it's like a like the cartoon of like a, a captain. Oh. He looks like, like a, a captain's beard, yes. a captain's beard. That's like a captain's beard nice. underneath. It's like, oh. okay, sorry, 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 Andy. Also, Satchel, 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 you
0: should hear his meow. He has the most <laughs> pathetic, horrible meow where he just goes, like. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's the best.
0: It's really, it's, it's really quite beautiful.